as speech pathologists, we, we do really get it. We understand the importance of communication and, and social connections. And it's important to learn that how one way of treating or, or working with a, a client isn't necessarily going to be what works for another client in a different state or from a different tribe. If we've got assessment findings that are robust, then we don't have to make any presumptions. And I strongly believe in the value and worth of what we do and the difference we make. Hello, and welcome to Speak Up, Speech Pathology Australia's podcast. Each week, we feature a conversation about an area or topic related to all things speech pathology. Let's hear what this week's contributors have to say. Welcome to this week's edition of Human Rights in Aged Care, the Royal Commission, and what does it mean for speech pathology? My name's Kim Teresi, and I'm the Senior Advisor for Speech Pathology Australia in the area of aged care. And I'm joined here today by Nikki Gearon, who is the Speech Pathology Australia Project Officer for Adults in Aged Care. Welcome, Nikki. Thanks so much, Kim. I'm really excited to speak with you today. We've all been holding our breath waiting for this final report into aged care, um, and it has a very strong human rights focus. Would you be able to outline some of the findings for us? Sure. Well, I guess the, uh, you know, throughout all of the, the hearings of the Royal Commission, the interim report that was tabled back in October 2019, that was actually labelled neglect, and now in the final report of the Royal Commission, um, the substandard care in aged care has been highlighted. Um, so that was certainly something that has come through strongly in all of the, the um, conversations and reports that have been produced by the Commission. And that's ranged from both, you know, frank neglect and abuse that's been, um, you know, sadly recorded, um, along with recognising substandard care and including within that lack of access to appropriate levels of care um, for quite a, a large number of people, older people accessing aged care services. The reports really addressed um, that there are fundamental systemic problems within the aged care sector that has led to this being able to continue and frankly to continue over time with um, some visibility, you know, it, it really talked about the fact that there's been an absence of leadership and governance and regulation across successive governments. And um, after many multiple reports that have um, outlined a, a series of issues. So I guess um, the report really focuses the sector going forward to adopt a human rights approach to providing aged care supports and services um, in seeing that that's what's been missing. It's been a sector that has been focused at a government level in the past around insecure and insufficient levels of funding and, um, you know, by an approach that's attended to take the, um, I think they talked about the approach of taking a fiscal approach, being all about how can we, how can we not spend too much money in this area rather than um, taking the approach which the Royal Commission report calls for as to a universal entitlement to the care and support that is needed if you're an older person um, so that you can live a, you know, a, a good quality life and, and have um, an appropriate level of care. 
So um, I guess importantly as well though, and specifically for us in speech pathology, the report has recognised um, through all of the very many submissions and advocacy efforts, efforts across allied health, it's really recognised and drawn attention to the lack of access to appropriate levels of allied health, including speech pathology. So um, we get quite a mention throughout the report in terms of um, difficulties that people may have had accessing speech pathology. Um, it's, it draws attention to the importance of using a wellness and reablement approach to people to older people so that they can maintain independence, social participation and community connections. Kim, thanks for that. It is um, It has been a long-standing issue, as you say, and an issue of governance and funding. And it's quite sad that it's been allowed to continue on for so long, substandard care. Uh, what really resonated with me within the report was the fact that it is a cultural issue and that substandard care has been normalised. And that really resonated with me. And I, I feel as though I'm I'm one of the converted. I've been on my soapbox for a long time. And I read some of the things within that report and I thought, you know what, I think at times I could have done better. And we all, it's a matter for all of us and we all need to do better for older Australians. Um, and as speech pathologists, as a profession, I think we have a really valuable role to play. So you mentioned, Kim, that there's been a lack of allied health access, and I have certainly experienced that within my career with referrals predominantly for swallowing only and as a reactive referral. So usually when a critical incident has occurred, such as the, the diagnosis of aspiration pneumonia, a near choking incident or very overt signs of dysphagia. And that's when I would receive a referral. So I really haven't seen a proactive approach often, um, which is really unfortunate. There's so much we can do if we receive a referral early. Um, and there's so much more we can do for quality of life in terms of people continuing to eat the foods that they love, um, for people to regain skills after a, a health condition. So there's a lot more that we can be doing. And, of course, communication is a huge area that has not been fully accessed and many providers are not aware of our full scope of practice as speech pathologists with regards to communication. Yes, Nikki, you're absolutely right. I, um, you know, all of what you've said around your personal experience has come through really strongly with all of our interactions with our um, members. And um, we also conducted a formal Speech Pathology Australia member survey during the time that we were doing the Royal Commission submissions. And very much so that, um, you know, the experience that you mentioned around the reactive referrals, referrals based around swallowing and the limited scope of practice for speech pathologists in, in providing services to older people were all things that came through really strongly. And so very much so they have um, formed the basis of, um, you know, SPAR's advocacy effort, efforts, I guess, and the content within our Royal Commission submissions. So during the course of the Royal Commission SPAR, um, submitted up to five written submissions um, and yes many of those points and member case studies were part of that um, part of those submissions too. Kim as part of that advocacy there were 148 recommendations within the report 
Which ones apply directly to our speech pathology profession? Yeah, good question, because the the report is massive, um, as people may know, but there is a summary version. Um, I'm laughing because even the summary version is quite long, to be fair, um, of an eight-volume report. And there is, you can also go to the website and download the report that is just all of the final recommendations as well, which again is quite lengthy in itself. Um, so I guess there's no time to talk about across all, you know, across the board, but be aware that the recommendations generally are very broad and sweeping reform of the aged care system. Um, So they really do start from including the recommendation to um, develop a new aged care act that will have it as at its heart that, um, you know, that focus on adopting a human rights approach that enshrines in an act that um, things like equity of access to services that you need, regardless of where you live. And that's a really big one and a really key point that SPA fought very hard um, throughout our submissions around that whether or not you lived in residential aged care or at home, um, you would be able to access the services that you clinically needed at the time or, you know, to provide an appropriate quality of life. Um, And that people have access to high quality and safe care, they have um, the right to freedom from abuse and they have the right to choice and control, but they have the right to continued independence and social participation. So that that Aged Care Act would underpin, I guess, the rest of the sector reform as well that's um, discussed, but certainly lots of other reforms related to integrating all of the current aged care programs into a single integrated program. So, um, you know, integrating eventually the Commonwealth Home Support Program, home care packages and residential aged care program into a single program, which has a lot of, um, I guess, flow on effects for people being able to continue to access services across a continuum rather than in sometimes the siloed um, program funding barriers that currently exist for people. Um, so that's potentially got a lot of um, benefits in terms of people needing speech pathology services as well. Um, integrating the assessment services across the regional assessment services and aged care assessment services into a single assessment model. And SPA has certainly been actively um, advocating and will continue to do so in terms of needing to ensure that that assessment is right at the outset that to identify people's needs just so that they can access services. Um, a lot of recommendations were put into place to enhance governance and regulation going forward um, that you can look up if you would like some more details. A lot of um, recommendations were put into place around the workforce um, needs in terms of increasing the numbers, increasing pay for people, increasing regulation of personal care workers, increasing training and supports, including things like um, attention on undergraduate curriculum, where speech pathology was also one of the disciplines mentioned there. Um, increasing funding for student placements in residential aged care, um, including in allied health. So there's lots of those wide sweeping recommendations, including minimum staffing ratios, etc., etc. But of particular interest under that, I guess, for us in um, speech pathology was because we were drawing attention to the 
limitations of the current funding models as well um, in terms of enabling people to have access to speech pathology and to have access to the full range of speech pathology scope of practice. So we really have been very keen to look at what's being proposed in terms of funding models. And there are um, a few really specific recommendations there that I can draw people's attention to if they would like to look at some more information around those proposals. Um, firstly, and I'll go in time order in terms of when the Commission has recommended things to roll out. Um, there's been a recommendation around recommendation 58, which talks about a model of hospital network-led multidisciplinary outreach teams that would include allied health, but include a whole range of different specialists as well including uh, geriatricians and psychogeriatricians who would be available to provide um, proactive care and rehabilitation and capacity building supports into staff wherever somebody was living, whether that was at home or in residential aged care. And so that requires quite a bit of work and the sector thinks perhaps a little bit optimistically the Commission has suggested that that might start as of the beginning of next year but that would require quite a bit of work between the state governments and commonwealth governments i suspect to get that happening and, and working but that was certainly one of the models that um, the commission referred to and recommended there are other specific recommendations around recommendation um, 38 which talks about each of um, residential aged care providers um, employing or contracting in some way um, one each of a range of different disciplines to um, ensure access to a multidisciplinary allied health team and speech pathology is um, noted specifically as one of the disciplines that residential aged care providers need to ensure they have provided access to. Um, in the Royal Commission's report that's recommended to occur by the um, 2024. And the other recommendation of interest is um, recommendation 36, which talks about the Care at Home program. Um, so that's going to be the amalgamation of the Commonwealth Home Support Program and home care packages. And um, there is some interest, I think, both from the um, report and the government at looking at care at home in a way that provides an individualised budget for people to purchase the supports that they need. Think along the lines, but perhaps not completely the same as an NDIS style system. And um, we were pleased to see in recommendation 36, the commission listened to our request that at, if that was to occur, that there would be um, a dedicated allied health funding component within that budget. So at the moment in home care packages, people will be aware that you get a, a general lump sum, if you like, of a, an amount to go to a range of supports. Um, there has been a recommendation that it's ensured that allied health is a key part of that um, of those packages of support going forward and that there is a dedicated funding component um, that goes towards allied health supports for those um, those people. So, um, look, there's a there's a lot more in the report that I could go into, but that's probably you know I guess some of the key things. Um, 
And I guess for us in speech pathology, we're keen to continue, as we have been doing already, to continue to have further conversations with the Department of Health now about how how they might take these recommendations going forward to build a model, if you like, that best, um, a fu- when I say that, a, a funding model that best ne- meets the needs, I guess, of people with communication and swallowing difficulties. Um, and obviously, yeah, there's a, there's a range of models currently in use, but we're sort of trying to develop a position on, you know, what are the key features of um, what would a service look like? What, what could a service look like if we wanted to be able to provide the sort of services um, that we'd like to? Um, I'm aware, Nikki, that you've been involved in a few different um, models of services service provision as well. I wondered if maybe you might be able to touch base on some of those. I think actually you might be involved in it and one of those outreach service models as well that um, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about that. Yes, I have been, Kim. Thank you for outlining those recommendations. There is so much in that final report, isn't there? Um, I can see from, from what you've said that there's a strong focus on integrating and coordinating services. Um, they are so so fragmented at the moment and it's so difficult for consumers to navigate that, um, to even to find services, the right services, and then at times that funding is is diluted and not directed toward the allied health that somebody really, really does need. I can also see how essential speech pathologists will be to that. Um, if we're going to have, as you have often said to me, if we're going to have a human rights-based system, then communication will be essential to that. How can people tell their story? How can they make a complaint? How can they exercise choice and control over their lives if they don't have communication and and support for that? Um, I have a a friend who has spoken to me about visiting her mother in residential aged care and she gets out her shirt, the shirt for her mother and the matching jewellery for the next day because her mother's quite fashionable and she loves to get dressed up. But um, if if my friend doesn't do that for her, then the outfit is chosen for her the next day. She can communicate, but perhaps it takes a little bit longer than um, than time allows and a busy shift for, for the workforce. And so she doesn't even get to choose her outfit for the day. And I think it's all those little moments where, as speech pathologists, we're going to be able to make a really big difference. So yes, I have I have worked in a few different a few different models. Um, I've worked in private practice, which, as I mentioned before, was quite restricted in my scope of practice. And at the time, quite a few years ago, I really didn't feel like I had I had the confidence myself to approach pro- the providers or to approach the organisation at a broader level um, to really advocate for what a speech pathologist can do. Um, That, of course, has changed within my career um, and I'm far more confident and um, willing to to step up and say these are the sort of services that we can offer and we can do so much more um, and we can be involved in capacity building for the whole of an organisation. For the past quite a few years, I have been part of a multidisciplinary outreach team, rurally based, and we've been really lucky in that our, our base system is, is great and it, it is similar to what you have described as one of the recommendations within the final report in that it's a multidisciplinary allied health team. So we have physiotherapy, 
dietetics, social work, speech pathology, occupational therapy. (laughs) I believe we're all represented. And we then work with local GPs, with nursing staff, with family, carers, kitchen staff. We all work together. We're all part of the same system, which is really helpful because then people do receive that coordinated care that you speak of. So we are all on the same page. We are all governed by similar or the same policy and procedure, which is very useful. And we can really, as an allied health profession, we can collaborate strongly and work with the older population in a really holistic way. We can also be directly involved in that capacity building. So as a speech pathologist, I would provide whole of facility education on dysphagia signs of swallowing difficulties, mealtime supports. I can provide education for other members of the workforce, for older people, for their families, and it's very holistic. Mm, it sounds it sounds amazing, Nikki. What have you noticed in terms of outcomes? What, what, have you noticed different outcomes from working in that kind of model compared to what you've been doing previously? Yeah, certainly. One of the main advantages is we have a strong presence in consumers' lives. So particularly within, we outreach to people's homes, um, we provide acute and rehabilitation services, and then we also provide services into residential aged care. And particularly into that residential aged care setting, you can really see the improvement of quality of life and well-being because we have an ongoing presence within a facility. So it's not just the allied health that drops in from time to time when there is that critical event. We're present all the time and we're a part of the facility and a part of the aged care workforce. So you really see referrals happening sooner and improved awareness of the role of allied health, of the role of speech pathologists, earlier referral and then proactive services and we can work in that wellness and reablement model that you mentioned where we're working with people on their goals as well. Not just how do we keep this person safe from aspiration pneumonia or swallowing, or um, but broader than that, we can really work on what their goals are for their eating and drinking and what their goals are for communicating. Mm. Yeah, and what I liked, um, they're all really key key aspects and what I also liked in you talking about being able to provide that support to staff on the ground and that's something that we've been advocating really strongly for in terms of you know the model that we need needs to needs to recognize that a large part of our role is that communication partner training it is that um support for the environmental you know communication environment set up it is about the um, training and education of staff across the board whether that's the chef whether that's the personal care worker providing support at meal times what you know wherever that lays and we need to ensure that the funding model allows that and often at times if we're on a very um, model that is a contractor based or using an MBS item where you know we're getting paid for a very direct um, amount of time with a client and not necessarily providing the scope to do all of the rest of that work that is an essential part to get the outcomes we want to see so um, yeah that was a that was a really great point that you picked up there um, I guess we're aware that we've been advocating in spa um, too that you know, that 
recognition of our full scope of practice as speech pathologists is often not always well recognised or well utilised. And um, the part that we do have to play, as you say, in supporting people's communication, participation throughout their day-to-day lives and the impact that has on choice and control and all of those key tenants that are, you know, talked about as um, key parts and up there as, you know, in lights as aged care standard one, et cetera, et cetera, and for people to be able to make complaints or provide feedback to keep safe from abuse, all of those things have been things that we've been really um, focusing hard on in terms of our, our advocacy efforts, in terms of what we can bring to that um, that space as well. So I think there's um, a lot of really exciting things happening and lots of exciting opportunities going forward um, in this space of aged care and, and um, what we might see happening in the next few years, I hope. Um, I guess in terms of SPA's advocacy from here, we can, you know, we've, as we've said, we've been working hard on the Royal Commission, but um, really a lot of the work begins now and um, as well in terms of uh, working to continue our voice in terms of working with the Department of Health um, about how to implement the recommendations, how we see things needing to happen in order to ensure that um, speech pathology services are accessible to everyone who needs them. Um, we work actively across a range of different um, groups. So the National Age Care Alliance um, is, is one of those groups that we work alongside um, to have a united voice about some of the sector changes. Um, so yeah, we'll be continuing to do a lot of work going forward in that space and um, I guess also to ensure that we um, think about um, speech pathologists as well and what their needs might be in going forward with um, how this all un- unfolds. Um, Nikki, I know that we've had a bit of a discussion, haven't we, about thinking through some of the factors or resources or needs there might be for speech pathologists going forward as well. Thank you, Kim. It's been great to work with yourself and the Aged Care Working Party for Speech Pathology Australia. So I've been working on developing resources for Speech Pathology Australia members who are working in aged care, particularly in this changing environment. For example, how to provide services as a speech pathologist for a consumer who is receiving a home care package. Yeah, and look, it's it's going to be an ongoing work in progress and we'll be really keen to continue to um, engage with members to um, continue to get your feedback as well as to sort of what you see as the priority areas for support. Um, we've, we're, we're thinking through some of those things as well and got some plans in place and thinking through... Uh, professional development opportunities and things like that but um, we'll be really keen to get feedback um, from members and around your thoughts around next next steps as well so um, always happy to hear from people Um, our joint email address is agedcare at speechpathologyaustralia.org.au so feel free to uh, connect with us Um, so I guess in drawing to a close today Nikki I guess we wanted to 
think about what you know, what's the take-home message, do we think, for speech pathologists at the moment um, in, in terms of aged care services? Um, I know you've touched a little bit on at the top of today about what really resonated with you, but if you were going to say what was, you know, what do you think's our top take-home message at the moment? What do you think we'd say? I think with this final report and recommendations and we should see a lot of changes moving forward, which is really exciting. It's an exciting time and to have that human rights focus is is vital. So I do believe that we will see a lot more uptake of speech pathology services and we'll have a lot stronger presence in working with older people and we'll be able to work to our full scope and capacity which will be which will be brilliant, and I know for myself has been um, a huge contributor to my satisfaction in my profession and my role as a speech pathologist. And I'm hoping that a lot of other members can experience that into the future. Mm, well said. I think you've summarised it beautifully. Really, that um, it's a really exciting time in aged care. We're working hard at an sort of policy and advocacy level to try to um, set the underpinnings, I guess, for the sector to be able to provide the sort of services that we want to see going forward. But absolutely, as you've said, I think there's enormous opportunities for speech pathology going forward and, um, you know, a person-centred approach and really um, expand or it's not really expanding our services so much, but perhaps um, giving us the opportunity to work to our, our full scope of practice and what we can contribute to people living with both communication and swallowing difficulties is really um, an exciting time. So, yeah, I think it's um, I think it was all well said. So. Thanks very much for joining me today, Nikki, for this chat. Um, and we'll look forward to, um, I guess, keeping members up to date with uh, changes as they as they come. The full government response to the Royal Commission report is due out at the end of May. So we look forward to seeing what the government has identified as the, the next steps. Um, yeah, and we'll um, chat more about that next time, I guess. So thanks very much, Nikki. Thanks so much, Kim. We hope you enjoyed this week's conversation. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your colleagues. Thank you for listening and bye for now.